September 5th and 6th, those dates are firm now, and we're just tossed up between two different hotels. We're wanting to make sure we get the right hotel, and by the end of the week, we'll have that information out to you as well. And it's called Meet Me in St. Louis. And uh, if you've uh, just real close, and we're looking at all the things that are right under our noses in marriage. I mean, when is the last time you've been to either the zoo or Union Station or some place in the St. Louis area? You know, a lot of people, live, we live here for years and we never go visit these places. And uh, same, sometimes that can happen in marriage where we've been married for a, a while and we just get, you know, what is it? Familiarity might breed contempt, but also as a breeding ground for mistakes and apathy and just overlooking things, the simple things in marriage. So we're going to be looking at those things in marriage as well. Just what are some simple things that, that uh, we tend to overlook and, and be encouraged by that? And we're going to be meeting in St. Louis to do that. Um, but we'll get you more information as it goes. Uh, you're probably noticing Seniors on the Go, have got a, they're doing something at the St. Louis uh, Science Center. And, and if you'd like to join them, I think they're looking at something on the lemur in Madagascar. Uh, I was just going to mention to you, uh, speaking of the St. Louis Science Center, my discipleship group, my fellas uh, and I, and there may be a, a wife or two involved in this, we're going to go watch the D-Day uh, Normandy documentary of, of Tom Brokaw that narrates on July the 31st. And you can get tickets online there. They're only $9. And it's a 7 o'clock show. And so if you'd like to join the rest of us, uh, it's going to be July the 31st, a Thursday night. And it's at 7 o'clock is when the show will promptly begin. As of last night, there's about 350 tickets left. So there's plenty of room to, uh, to go. Let's see here. We're, uh, we're, in a, we're starting a new series. You probably noticed that. Someone asked, is that, uh, asked me before the services, is that my fingerprint? And I said, no, it's someone else's in the church. But uh, we blew it up. No, it's not true. Uh, that's just a graphic from uh, who knows whose fingerprint that is. But uh, we're, we're starting a new series called uh, Identity, and we're, what we're looking at is making a positive ID about things. And uh, as we start this sermon series, I want to encourage you to use this communication card that's in your bulletin along with the notes. Take notes along. Circle. We're going to circle words, fill in blanks. You know, if you need to doodle, I understand that too. But uh, I, want, I want you to take that communication card pretty seriously. You might wonder why. Why is there this communication card? We don't have an altar call. We don't have people walking down the aisle. Uh, that, that can be a little intimidating. But the, the thing we realize is this here at Greater Alton. The most important thing that happens today is not just what we cover in the Scriptures, but the choices you're going to make today based on it. What you decide to do is as, is as every bit as much, maybe more important than what I got to say uh, today. And so we want you to take advantage of that communication card. Maybe there's a decision you want to make, or maybe there's a prayer request you want to have that relates to this lesson, or it's something else that's personal, and you'd like for people to pray over it. We have a, a team of people that pray over these cards. They get so many of them given to them, and they pray all week for you. So if you put on that card something you want God to work in, and you want, you want them uh, to have somebody pray for you, take advantage of the power of prayer and uh, fill it out. Fill out that card, all right? We'd love to pray for you. And, and we'll be taking up those cards after the lesson. We'll sing a song. You'll, we'll let you know when. And, uh, and we'll take those cards. Oh, we're starting this series called Identity. And, and one, one of the reasons I picked this particular topic was because our theme this year, if you remember, is I'm Yours, Lord. And I'm Yours, Lord is a song that we have used to sing years ago at Greater Alton. It goes something like this. I'm Yours, Lord. Everything I've got, uh, 
everything I am and everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. See if I will be completely yours. And that's got a lot of other verses. And we came up with this, this, this idea that, you know, taking the year of, and making this a year of stewardship where we say, Lord, you know, I'm yours. You're the king. I'm a part of your kingdom. It's not my way. It's your way. And, and we've tr- I've tried to find a, a sermon series that would kind of go with what we're, with, with this song, with this theme. And I thought as I got, as I was looking at this particular song, it said something about, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am and everything I'm not. That idea of everything I am. And I thought to myself, do I know who I am? What a question. Do I know who I really am? And see, your identity matters. How you, how you define yourself. You know, a lot of people are going to try to define who you are. Your parents are going to try to do that. Your friends are going to try to do that. Your culture is going to try to do that. You know, and your past sometimes can have an impact on that. But I believe that the Bible teaches that God is the one who defines you and I. It's what He thinks of you and I and how He's made you and I that determines who you and I really are. And so I, I got to thinking about this a little bit, just playing with this idea of making a positive ID or making a, a positive identification. And I got to thinking about examples of mistaken identity. And so, of course, you know, you get on Google and you can find a gob of stuff, all kinds of information about people who had uh, moments where they were mistaken about their identity. Uh, for example, here's a picture up on the screen here. This is from the 1800s. One of these guys, I don't know which one it is. I tried to figure it out. His name is Adolf Beck. And Adolf Beck was just a nice man, law-abiding citizen. But one day he was walking in, in, his, in the city when a woman pointed, his, pointed her finger at him and accused him of stealing all of her jewelry. And, um, and so the police arrested him. And actually, one of these guys was the real jewelry thief, and his, he went by the name John Smith. What a creative guy, huh? And for this, one, Adolf spent five years in prison because of a mistaken identity. Let me give you another one. This is from the 1930s. You guys know who this is? Who, do you, who is that? It looks like John Dillinger. That's not John Dillinger. John Dillinger was one of the most sought-after men you know, of the top ten of the FBI, most wanted list, made the top. He was a known, notorious gangster and killer. This guy's name is actually Ralph Alsman. Uh, and Ralph Alsman looked like John Dillinger. In fact, he lived close to where John, Don, John Dillinger grew up. He happened to have a mole in the same place by his eye as John Dillinger and a scar on his wrist just like John Dillinger. This man, this man was arrested 17 times. He was shot 11. He got to where he didn't want to go out because people would mistaken him for John Dillinger and he was afraid he would try to tell the police, I'm not John Dillinger, and they'd shoot him because they were scared of him. And it wasn't until John Dillinger was actually shot and killed that he finally was able to walk the streets again in safety. Isn't that something? You guys probably remember a couple of girls uh, in 2006. If you remember, there was, they were on a bus and there was a, a horrific accident where these two girls uh, were 
uh, were one well one one died. It was Laura Laura Van Ryan and Whitney Sarek, and and the thing about those two is that if you remember there was a mistaken identity. They thought one had died when actually she had survived. Well, this isn't the first time this ever happened. Here's a photo or another illustration. In 1984, a woman by the name of Patricia Noonan, she was 16 years old, and she was on a trip with her father along with her friend by the name of Sean Lake and her father, both in in the same car. They had a horrific accident. Everyone died except one person, and they thought it was Sean Lake. In fact, the... The, the girls were so uh, so much damage and disfigurement from the accident, they could not tell, but they thought this was Sean. So for several weeks, she's in the hospital. Imagine this. Parents are sitting at the, at the bedside waiting for her to come to from a coma, and, that, and the other parents have buried what they believe to be their daughter. But this is Patricia Noonan. She wakes up from her coma, looks at these two people and says, Who are you? She goes, Well, well, your parents? No, you're not. You're not my parents. And they go to the they go to the doctor and say she's saying that we're not her parents. Well, that that happens with a lot of head trauma. You know, it's, it, you know, she's confused right now. This went on for a few weeks until finally she was. They were able to confirm with fingerprinting that this was Patricia Noonan. It happens all the time. Mistaken identity. You guys ever had this happen? You think you see somebody? Bob, Bob. They turn around. I didn't Bob. Never happened to you where you've been mistaken for somebody else and they're talking to you for several minutes and you're like, you, you haven't got the heart to tell them you got the wrong person. It's easy to, to make a mistake when it comes to identity. In fact, our culture, it's very confusing for a lot of people to even know who they are. If you look at our culture, it's real easy to see this. It's real easy to, to notice. We have, we have a, a, an epidemic of an, an identity crisis in our society today. People have a hard time with their genetic or their gender identity, with their sexual identity. They have trouble with their ethnic identity. Many of us here are, are a concoction of different cultures, of diff, right, of different countries. And, and, and some people struggle with a spiritual identity, like who am I and what am I here for? In, even as Christians. And sometimes it's just a personal identity crisis. I don't know if you know this or not, but next week on the 28th of July will be the 158th anniversary of fingerprinting. Is that something? Almost 160 years we've been using f- fingerprinting to help identify each other so we can, we can get it right. And yet we live in a society where people, if you ask them, who are you? It's very, very confusing. I'm thinking about, I'm sorry, I can't help this. And I think about anger management. Remember David Busnick, Adam Stanler's character, and he's in this therapy group. And Jack Nicholson says, so David, who are you? And he goes, well, you know, I, I'm a... I'm assistant to a firm and you know executive firm. No, 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 David. I'm not asking. You're telling me who you, what you do. I'm asking who are you. And he goes, well, um, 
I like playing tennis. I like, uh, he goes, no, 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 David, David, that's your hobbies. I'm not asking about your hobbies. I'm asking, who are you? It's a simple question. He goes, well, sometimes I can you know, be a little difficult or I get a little confused. No, no, David, I'm not asking you about your personality. Who are you? I'll tell you who I am. I don't even know how to answer the question. Everybody backs off and goes, well, I think we now know who you are. What a crazy... You know, you ever felt like that? If somebody asked you, who are you? Well, I'm Tim. No, no, that's your name. Who are you? Well, I... And you start trying to figure out... It's, it can be confusing. And yet, making a positive ID is so important. Just a few years ago, uh, police discovered a body, a, de- a, a 77-year-old man dead near a creek... And through DNA, that's the genetic fingerprint that we now have, that we use, they were able to make, it says in the newspaper, it says, police were able to make a positive ID. And they were able to lay this man to rest. And I thought, wow. Hmm. Positive ID. Making a positive ID. Could you use that today? I sure could. Because there's times I get mixed up as to who I am. And yet God wants you not have a negative idea about yourself. And by the way, how you, what you think of yourself, what you label yourself, has a big impact on everything you do. Am I right? Every relationship, every value, all your actions, all the things you think about, it really centers down to, uh, Bob Hawkins said this to me one time, it centers around this, Tim, Everybody needs to know two things. I don't know if you remember saying this to me, Bob. You need to know who God is and who you are. And if you can figure those two out, it will change your life. And for many people, we don't even know how to explain who we are. Now I want to say to you this morning, if you're one of those people, you're not alone because the Bible talks about people who are trying to figure themselves out. In fact, there's an Old Testament character uh, that perhaps uh, went through an identity crisis like no other. His name was Moses. You probably remember Moses. You know, if you've seen the Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments, you know, you think about this guy and who was Moses? Well, you know, we find out that his parents, when he was born, realized he was no ordinary child. I mean, that's what it says, right? By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I want to say what a powerful, powerful thing to say about parents. That their faith, they had faith in God and they saw... By the way, you ask a parent, is your kid special? Oh, my kid's the best. I know I get that. But they, they saw some spiritual quality in their child and, they, and by faith in God, they take this child... Even though the king, Pharaoh, has passed an edict to have him killed, they hide him for three months. Not because they're afraid, because they know Moses is important. And they put him in a basket. Huh, basket. Moses was a basket case. And they shove him, you know. They get to see him go, there you go. And they're praying, and, and there's Pharaoh's daughter. and they, Right? And, they, and she finds him raises him up, draws him out of the Nile and calls him a Hebrew name because he's Hebrew, 
Moses, which means to draw out. And, and this guy is an amazing person when you stop and think about it. What's so amazing about him? Well, you realize we wouldn't even have the first five books of the Bible if it weren't for Moses. We would not have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy if it weren't for Moses. Moses brought the Ten Commandments to the people. God's Ten Commandments. We find that Moses delivered the, the, the God's people that were in slavery for over 400 years out of Egypt and gets them to the Promised Land. Moses was drawn out of the Nile and God used him to draw men and women out of darkness, out of slavery. You see the parallel for you and I? That we're drawn out of sin to draw others out? That's why I hope you'll, you'll you know, make the time to come out to the Hartford Park and let's go, let's go meet some people. There's people looking for a church. They're looking for someone to draw them out into the kingdom of God. And so you, this guy is amazing, and yet this guy struggled. He went through an identity crisis. Look, go, let's read on here. It says, by faith, let's back up one. By faith, it says in verse 24, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn. Of Israel, This is an amazing person. And yet, we find that his life started as a basket case. You may say to yourself, you know, I look at my life, Tim, I don't know if God could do much through me. Yes, He can. If He can do it through Moses, He can do it through you. I remember Robert Cox years ago saying something. Moses didn't know he was Moses. And I thought, that is true. And you know, you don't know. You don't know who you are like God does. You have no idea. I have no idea. It's, and yet God wants us to make a positive ID. Not a negative one, but a positive one. And so I see this guy who, who is raised, he's Hebrew, but raised an Egyptian. Raised in luxury and in a palace when he should be in poverty as a slave. And so in this passage, what we're going to look at, and in this series, we're going to look at the life of Moses. And today what I want to do is I just want to kind of introduce the series a little bit here and look at this guy because we see in this passage what can happen to you and I when we make a positive ID, when we figure out who we are. You ready? Let's get into it. Here's the first thing. When I make a positive ID, knowing my true identity demonstrates spiritual maturity. That's the first thing I noticed in this passage. Notice it says, by faith, circle faith, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, circle grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know what I notice here? Knowing who I am is a mark of maturity. 
Remember when you were a kid? Maybe, I don't know if this still goes on in school, but I, when I was a kid, we'd have like career day or career week or something. What do you want to be when you... That's what. Remember that? What are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a blah. I'm going to be, I remember one time we had a shoebox in the fourth grade. What are you going to be when you grow up? Your job is to take a shoebox, turn it sideways, and make something inside the shoebox that's that illustrates what you're thinking you're going to do with your life. And I made a couple of car. I had a couple of army men, and I had uh, made a little saw and put it in his hand, a little hammer in the other, and I had little boards and and paneling all around. And it was a little workshop. There, I'm going to be a carpenter. That's what I thought I'd be when I grow up. My best friend Tim Kashin, he made a little casket with a GI Joe laying in it, with another GI Joe going, and it freaked me out because the GI Joe in the casket, his eyes were open. I go, what is this, Tim? I'm going to be a mortician. No, <laughs> I think I'll pass. <laughs> you know, but you know, you and, and, I, and how many times does this happen? You know, you you graduate out of grade school, or you graduate out of high school, you graduate out of college. What are you going to be? I don't know. I still haven't figured it out. Well, Moses was having the same issue. He was trying to figure things out. He's trying to figure out who he is. And notice it says, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He says, I'm not the grandson of Pharaoh. What are you talking about? I'm, I've realized, when I look, as I've grown up, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm not royalty. I'm a Hebrew. I'm the son of slaves. And so, and because of that, it's a, it's a mark of spiritual maturity when I begin to figure out who I am. Have you ever have you figured it out yet who you are? It's a mark of maturity. You know, we ask questions like this: Who am I? Why am I here? You know, where did I come from? Where am I going? Does my life matter? What am I on here, here on earth to do? You know, uh, what am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do with my life? These are all ID questions. Everybody asks them. Everybody asks them. But there comes a time, guys, when we must grow up and figure it out. Amen? You've got to figure it out. And so Moses says, I'm going to figure it out. You know, he's grown up. By the way, I, was, I decided to read the story of Moses in Exodus. I thought that would be Andy. You know, so I started reading in Exodus 2. In verse 11 it says, When Moses had grown up, he went out and walked among the people. His own people. That tells me that he stayed inside to himself, stayed cooped up, but when he got old enough, when he started growing up, he started expanding his horizons. I don't know if you're stuck where you are, but a mark of spiritual maturity is risk-taking and getting out there. And he gets out there and he notices. He sees physical, physically difference between he and the Egyptians and similarity between he and the Hebrew. And he begins to say, you know, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm, he begins to, begins to ask these questions, and who, what am I doing here? How did I get here? And the way, he find, the way he figures it out, it starts with that second word in that passage, with faith. You see, you and I can try to figure, ourselves, figure out who we are uh, by asking others. That's kind of like that, again, anger management. He said, well, I don't know how to answer your question, 
why don't we, let's ask somebody else and maybe they can, they can explain the answer. He goes, you want someone else to explain who you are. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. But a lot of times, guys, we rely on other people to explain who we are, don't we? We look to them. Maybe we look within. We look inside and try to find something within. And the thing is, I believe this. I don't believe you're going to find it within and you're not going to find it on this planet. You find out who you are by looking to the Lord, your Creator. Everything you own, everything I own has a maker. And if you want to know how it really works, all you got to do is ask the maker, what is this? What's its function? How does it work? Your Creator knows who you are, what you're here for, what you're to do with your life. And it starts by faith in God. Moses looks to, to his God to define him. See, if you, don't, if you don't figure out who you are, somebody else is going to do it for you. Your parents are going to try to do it, or your friends are going to try to do it, or your culture is going to try to do it, or Lord knows some star, Hollywood star, or somebody is going to try to tell you this is what you need to be. But if you really want to know who you are, it starts with a relationship with God. You see, when I get close, if, if, I, if I start off with my faith in God, the closer I get to the, to the Lord, the deeper I understand myself. That's the first thing. Number two, um, number two, knowing my true identity defines my responsibilities. Boy, I tell you what, this is, you talk about messing with my mind this week, this one messes with me. You say, why, Tim? Because when I understand who I really am, then I understand what I'm responsible for and what I'm not responsible for. I figure out, I don't have to worry about that. I was listening to a conversation this morning, and I heard some, some trigger words that made me go, huh, what, huh? And then I, it hit me. I'm not involved in that. It's not my responsibility. I'll let them take care of that. If there's anything I've learned over the last several years is that I have not been made to do everything. And you have not either. Look at, well, look at, look at this passage here. He chose, Moses says, that he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a short time. What's he doing here? Rick Warren says it this way. He's choosing and refusing. And if you, guys, when you make a positive idea yourself, it's going to help you know what to say no to and what to say yes to. I've been watching us for a long time. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. really don't want to pick on anybody this morning. But you know how you can tell when someone doesn't know who they are? They're either trying to do everything or they're doing nothing. When a person doesn't know who they really are, they don't know where to start, so they do nothing. And a person who doesn't know who they are can go the opposite. I rarely have met someone who doesn't understand who they are that's balanced. They're either one or the other. Well, since I really don't know who I am, everything's important and I've got to do everything. And the thing is, you're not made to do everything. You know, Moses says, I'm not Pharaoh's grandson. I'm not an Egyptian. 
Well, that kind of narrows some things off, takes some things off the table. See that? I'm a Hebrew, and I'm paying attention to what's going on with my people, and they're crying out and suffering. Maybe that's what I should be focusing on, because I'm a Hebrew. See how that works? It helps us sort out what matters and what doesn't, and what doesn't. It helps me sort out my responsibilities. You know, I'm, let me say it like this to you. I told you the last five years I've learned something, and that is that I'm not responsible for everything. Because it'll drive you crazy when you're trying to do everything. I heard a phrase years ago said to me, and I always thought, I used to I used to put it on things. If it is to be, it is up to me. And I always thought that is you know that's a Zig Ziglar. If it is to be, it is up to me. I've even said that from the pulpit here at Greater Alton. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure anymore. Why is that, Tim? Because not everything to be is up to me because I'm not supposed to be taking care of it. I've got to figure out what is up to me, what is my responsibility I need to take care of. But there's some things that I need to let someone else take care of. And you know that's been such a freedom giver. I've learned to relax a little bit more. I've learned to be more secure. I've learned to to not get all uptight when something doesn't go my particular way and go, you know what, I guess it's not going to be my way this time. And by the way, as a Christian, shouldn't we be used to that by now? It's not going to be my way anyway, so I should get used to that kind of stuff. You see, my responsibility is connected to my identity. How can I illustrate it? I like America's Got Talent. And they just got through doing the auditions. That's my favorite part. Because you see these knuckleheads that come in that think they can sing, and they can't. I watched a guy, I watched a woman come in with a bunch of plants, and she was going to, and she's moving these plants around to music. And I'm like, they all got buzzed. You know, all of them buzzed or buzzers. A couple of guys are trying to sing. They're awful at singing. And they start trying to hit their buzzers, but they won't work. So they just start hitting their buzzers all at the same time to the, to the tempo of the, of the song. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Found out that one of them had unplugged the buzzers to recharge her cell phone. And you know, sometimes you, whether it be Simon Cowell or it be, or, or it be Pierce Morgan, uh, or it be, uh, um, Stearns, whatever it be, sometimes you think, you're doing them a favor by telling them the truth. You you don't need to be singing. Well, that takes hey, that kind of clears it up. God didn't make me like that. Now, does that mean that you? Some of you say, well, that means I don't have to sing here at church. Oh no, the Bible doesn't talk about. The Bible tells us to sing. I'm not denying that. You just may not be cut up for the worship team. Okay. So I love what Chris said. What part do you sing? Follow, alto. I heard a guy say, I, I sing tenor, 10 or 12 feet away. And I, th- I get that. But there's other things. You know, we, we find ourselves, we go, well, I, I want to do this because we see someone else do it, rather than finding that definition from the Lord. We try to find it in someone else. Well, I want to be like them. And God says, I want you to be like you, the way I made you. And I don't think this is something we do 
like that. I think it's the process because we're going to see Moses went through 40 years to figure out who he was. So it's going to take a while. Maybe longer for some of us. Look at the Bible says here. It says here, each of us will give an account of themselves to God. What's he saying there? He's saying, hey, God's going to, when you meet God on Judgment Day, He's going to be talking to you about what you've done and what you've taken responsibility for and not someone else. And you say, why do you bring that up to Him? Well, I know it's Moses whose faith was started in his mother and father. It became his own. He took responsibility of his walk with God. He took personal responsibility of his relationship with God, and it became his own faith. Guys, I, I want to say again, I've been, I've, been, I've been here at Greater Alton since the beginning. And I've got to tell you, some of you here, I don't know what you're going to say on Judgment Day. What are you going to say? You know, give us an account. Uh, well, you know, my wife was really spiritual. You see how spiritual she is? She, I mean, she served in the kids' ministry. She went out doing door knocking. She did, she did all kinds of cool stuff. And I'm not asking about her. We'll get to her next. What about you? Well, you know, my girlfriend. I hear I, Some of you guys, you know, your girlfriend's doing all the pushing. All the spiritual pushing. It works that way in marriage too, am I right? You know, my wife and I were talking yesterday, and she goes, you know, I know I can be tough, and I can be, you know, I know, but you get tired of me, and I'm going, don't stop. Sometimes I need a kick in the pants. You know, just not so often. <laughs> but there's times when, you know, when she is pushing me too. And, I, you know, I don't want to go before God and say, well, God, you know, Denise, you know, look at what she's, look at the kind of woman. She led me to Christ. She's a great woman of God. And I know, Tim, we'll get to her next. What about you? I'm going to give account for what you've done. What are you going to be? I don't know how many times I've heard this. I think the next time I hear it, I'm going to throw up. I'll be talking to somebody, and then we'll get into a spiritual conversation. I don't know. Everybody has an uncle that's a preacher. Well, you know, my uncle preaches. Or my, 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 uh, my brother's a preacher. So what? Each of us will give an account of themselves to God. And, I, I, and you say, well, I don't For what? Well, when you figure out who you are, you figure out what. And when you let God define who you are, when you find your identity in Jesus Christ, you're going to figure out what you're responsible for and what you are not. Here's number three. Knowing my true identity decides my priorities. See, it helps me decide. When I understand who I am, it helps me decide what matters and what doesn't. What's important and what isn't. Look again. Here's verse 26. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. I read this this week. I love the way, the, the way it was said. It helped me remember. That is that Egypt offered Moses three things. Measure, pleasure, and treasure. And if that isn't true, the world offers you and I measure. It tells us popularity and power. Pleasure. Think of the pleasures Moses had. 
Think of the pleasures. First of all, he's a, how he was measured was he was the grandson of Pharaoh. Now you talk about him going, walking around town or, or walking around the palace, how much clout he had, how much power. And let me tell you something, guys. We all, when we get a taste of something like that, are we ready to give it up? We like that. We like that. And, and not only did he, he have measure and pleasure, you know, here's a, here is a relative, a son, a grandson of the Pharaoh. Think of the women that were available to Moses. The parties that were available to Moses. The pleasure. Every pleasure you can imagine. And, and then you, if you, you think about this, not only that was a, was a measure and pleasure, but the treasures. I just, I think of myself, what did, kind of things did the, great, the grandson of Pharaoh own? And he's got a chariot over here with 350 horses. I've got 350 horses here. Well, that's a, that's a lot of horses, you know. You know, say, what, what, kind of, what kind of chariot did he get when he turned 16? Think of all the things that he had, all the possessions he had. And so you know his priorities at one time were power, popularity, pleasure, and treasure. But all that changed. When he began to see his true identity, he says he regarded disgrace for the sake... What's regard mean? He weighed it out. He looked it over. And he made a decision. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of heaven. He was looking ahead at his reward. Whoa, what about the reward you got now? It's temporary. Tim, it's temporary. I'm looking for something that far outweighs the rest. And it's from, it's from heaven, that reward, that I've, I'm going to find pleasure in. See how his priorities changed? And that's what happens when you begin to see yourself and make a positive ID. Let me ask you a question. What's important to you? Moses said that. He goes, you know, I look at all this. I've grown up. I'm starting to ask these questions. I see some things. And this is what's going to be important to me. What are you, what's important to you? What, in fact, if you could list, Moses could list his values before and after he figured himself out. What are your values? Could you list them? That's why I got that. I guess I got five blanks, I think. There's no, I don't have answers for you to write in. Those are, that's your assignment I want to give you, is to, to think about what would be the top five priorities in my life. In fact, I thought about this if you, if you wanted to try this. Put a line down the middle. Go back to that list, please. Imagine a line down the middle, and on the left side you put what you believe your values are, and on the right side what you believe God's values He wants you to have. You say, well, how do I know what my values are, Tim? That's real easy, real easy. Just ask yourself, what has the most say and sway in my life? What has the most say and the most sway in my life? In other words, what do I talk about the most? What's on my mind the most? And what has the most sway? I'll change my schedule and sacrifice for this. That's a value, see? It has a lot of sway and a lot of say in your life. A lot of influence. So ask yourself, 
what, if I were to add, and, and I want you to, if you would, do this, and then discuss it in your discipleship group. Discuss it in your groups and go, you know, I'm going to think about this. What are my five values? You say, oh, Tim, I don't even know if I can name my five values. You know, you know what? If you can't name your five values, you're going to have a couple of problems. If you can't figure out your top five values, somebody else is going to do that for you. And another thing that's going to happen is if you can't figure out your top five values or top three, you're not going to be able to live up to any of it because you don't even know what they are. What would be those top five? What's my priorities? Moses' priorities changed. You see, when I know who I am, it clears up my priorities. Moses faces that. He looks at that. He looks at the reward. And he, he, by the way, it says there in verse 26, he was looking ahead to his reward. In other words, his vision determined his, his values. What he was looking for determined his values. <clears throat> Some of you here need to really seriously look at why you value what you value. You say, what are you talking about, Tim? Well, I just wonder, are you aiming too low? I was with Travis Borns this week and he was helping me put in some glass. Man, he knows how to set a windshield. He's got this great sense of touch. And that's important when you're putting in glass. And one of the things that we were talking about was just about, you know, we were looking at Facebook and looking at comments made and we couldn't help but notice a lot of people on Facebook were saying things like this, hey man, I've got some days off or I've got some time off and I'm going to just kick back and enjoy. It's almost like they're living Everybody's working for the weekend. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's as far ahead as they're looking is the day off. Moses says, oh no, Tim, you got to look further than that. Well, you know, my goal, uh, what I'm looking ahead of is, is just, you know, just trying to get through the day. Just trying to get through the day. Really? God wants you to aim so much higher than that. Moses says, I looked ahead at the reward and it made me change my priorities. And by the way, guys, again, your vision, I'll say it again, your vision is determining your values. And if your vision is just to go, you know, I just, just want to get through the week, your values are, not, are going to reflect that. You may have already known this through Facebook or through Twitter or through whatever, er, uh, and that is that uh, you know, I've got two grandkids coming and both are girls. Both are girls. Yeah. Woo. I need your prayers. Because I have no idea what to do with girls. Because I know who's coming and they're girls, it's changing my... I'm over there flipping knobs and (laughs) pulling levers, switching things over because I realize... And I don't even know which levers to pull. I look at Denise and I go, well, I guess now it's your turn. You're going to be, you females are going to be outnumbering the guys here. She goes, well, I raised two boys. I've forgotten everything. Pray for us. Two girls. And by, I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about it. And, and, uh, and, and, and I, I'm simply saying is that I'm seeing these grandkids coming and I'm thinking, okay, 
What am I doing right now to get ready for that? And I notice I can all I can do is lift my head up a little bit and go, what kind of women are they going to be? What kind of men are they going to marry? What kind of kids are they going to They're not even born yet, and I'm already thinking about that stuff. Why? It adjusts my values. I don't want to waste time with them when I'm with them. I want, I want to invest in their lives. It, it makes me talk about things, different things, than I normally would talk to when we're sitting in the, in the back, Brian, and just chilling out. And we're talking about all kinds of stuff. I, that was awesome. That was an awesome moment for me. I just loved it. And so I said, you know, to talk about the kids are coming, the kids are coming, and what, okay, and what do we do when they get here? How do we get ready? And Moses says, well, I see something so much further ahead. I see my reward. It's worth changing my priorities, saying no to sin, saying no to treasure. By the way, when I say no, say no to treasure, I want to say it again. I'm not saying give up ambition. Don't have, be ambitious. Some of you need to be ambitious. That's all? Amen, Mike? That's all I get? Some of you here need to get off your blessed assurance and get with it. Like we said before, yeah, you need to say no to some things, but how about saying yes to some things? Like purpose and hard work. Maybe a little less of this and a little more of this. Moses sees his reward and it changes his priorities. He says no to his position. I'm, a, I'm, I'm identifying with who I really am. He, he gives up his status and stuff to serve people. It's about helping people now, not about himself. And he says, you know, the rewards I can get now, they're only temporary. I'm after the eternal ones now. Where are your values taking you? Because you're, you're hitting what you're aiming at. What do you mean, Tim? You're at the spiritual commitment level that you want to be right now. You know that? You're hitting what you're aiming at. If you're aiming down, you're going to hit low. But if you just aim a little higher, you'd be surprised what you find out about yourself, and about your God. Number four, <coughs> knowing my identity determines my destiny. When I make a positive ID, I find out it changes the direction of my life. It, it changes everything, radically changes the direction of my life. And how is that true? Is that true for Moses? Absolutely. Look what it says here. By faith, he left Egypt. He left Egypt without being afraid of the king's anger. He kept on going as if he could see what is invisible. Now, I first read this, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I've read the story of Exodus, and I know the story of Moses. When he left, he was running for his life, right? But it's not talking about that time. He's not talking about the first time he left Egypt. He's talking about the second time he left Egypt. See, Moses returned to Egypt. We always want to put the past behind us. God says, you might have to go back the way you came. Isn't that what he said to Elijah? Go back the way you came. 
You've got to go face the past. You might have to deal with some things before you can leave the past. By faith, he left Egypt and he kept going. He persevered. He was able to keep going. Why? Because he knew who he was. He knew who he belonged to and it helped him keep going. Let me ask you, what's your Egypt? What is your Egypt? What is it in your past that God wants you to face and leave? Deal with it? And leave it? And not have to ever look back? You know, it's funny to me. I don't see Moses ever doing this as he's leaving Egypt a second time. In fact, I think it's somebody else that points out to him, Pharaoh's chariots are coming. And what's he do? He sees it and turns and faces up and forward and God makes a path for his life. He doesn't contrary on the past. I left that. I'm not worried about that. I'm not afraid of this king anymore. Why? Because I serve a higher power. I serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's nothing to be afraid of. Let me tell you, church, God wants you to be confident wherever you are. He wants to carry yourself with confidence. Why? Because you know where you're going. And Moses, he discovers this, and he leaves his Egypt behind because it's truly behind him. Some of you here, your past is still with you because you won't face it and you won't leave it. Deal with it and then leave it. I think what I was thinking about was, I think I've got a phrase here, and that is it, and I stole this. I thought it was a great phrase. I am a product of my past. Is that true? That is absolutely true, isn't it? I am a product of my past. But there's another statement that says, just as true. And it goes like this, but I don't have to be a prisoner of my past. That's just as true as the first one. Yes, I'm a result of a lot of things in the past, but I don't have to be ruled by it anymore. How is that possible, Tim? Well, God gives you a new identity. Kind of like that witness protection program. Right? You know how it works? Oh, I'm going to get hurt. No, no. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to move you to another place. We're going to change your name and start all over. New identity. And so you, you do. And do you have anything to worry about? No, because they can't find you. Look at this passage, how Paul says it. I love the way he turns this. For if a man is in Christ, he's saying if you're a Christian, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. How's your relationship with God this morning? You Christian? Or have you been dragging your feet? Have you made that commitment to Christ? The person's in Christ becomes a whole new person. They, they get a new identity. It's new to you and I. It's the original identity that God had for you. The original identity. Who you really are. I don't have this up on the screen and I uh, don't have it in your notes. Didn't have room. But when you think about the most confident person on the planet that ever walked on this planet... Who do you think of? Who? 
You know, I was into kids ministry in the back. All the people were with the kids. And I'm going, who's the most confident person you can think of that walked on this earth? And they're all quiet. And then Cassie Denius goes, Jesus, just like a little kid. So I go, yep, that's the one. Jesus Christ was the most confident person ever walked on this planet. You know why? The Bible says in John 8, he says, I know where I've come from, and I know where I'm going. And because he knew this about himself, he was able to wash feet and serve and fulfill God's purpose. Guys, I'm hoping this series, I want to ask you to make a commitment in this series to be here. Let's learn this together. I believe Greater Alton is, is finding its... It's finding its identity. And I think this series is going to help us as we, when we say things like, I'm yours, Lord, everything I am, everything, I'm yours, Lord, everything I am, all that I am, Lord, help me understand who I am so I can understand my responsibilities and my priorities and, to, and, and help me get where you're wanting to take me. Now, Jesus wants you to know where you've come from and where you're going. He wants you to be just as confident this morning. Are you? You can be. You can be. There's a card in your bulletin. And this card is a simple it's an opportunity to respond to this lesson. And maybe you need to write something out like, you know what, I, I want to know my true identity. And I'm not saying it's, it's, it's bad to talk to other people. Who do you think? What do you see? What do you see? But you guys, it really comes down to what God sees and what God thinks. And let me encourage you to, to make a commitment again for the next several weeks here. Let's, let's learn our true identity in Christ. Maybe you're not a Christian. You're going, I don't know where to start. How about with a personal Bible study? Check that box and say, I want a personal Bible study. Or I'd like to know more about this church. Let someone talk to you about it. And maybe from that discussion, you're going to discover God's plan for your life, God's purpose for your life. We're going to give you a chance to to um, fill out these cards. We're going to sing a song and let you do that. And then we're going to sing another song and, and collect all those cards along with our weekly contribution. May God bless you to make a positive ID and let it begin today. Let's pray.